0: Last year, I shared my prayer journal and a little bit about how my prayer life actually started. I was asked to repeat it, and I will show you my journal again, but God led me in a different direction for conversation this time. As I pondered on what to say, I was reminded of a discussion in our core as we were going over Mark 3.14. The questions in our workbook was, what were God's What were Jesus's intentions while choosing the twelve? One friend answered with a love-like gaze in her eyes. He wanted them to be with him. Isn't it amazing how he wanted them to be with him? I could feel her joy as I spoke. Another friend spoke out quite frankly and said he wanted to teach them. His main intention was to teach them. I love both aspects of the of the conversation and I believe both are true and right. Jesus's intentions while choosing the 12 was for them to be with him and to teach them. But you know, Jesus chose you and Jesus chose me. In John, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. His intentions for choosing us was the same. He wants us to be with him and he wants to teach us. What would our lives look like if we took Jesus seriously? It's kind of funny to me how God works. Last year, before my talk on prayer, I purchased this book. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. By the way, it's a special mini gift edition. I wasn't expecting the mini to be so mini, but rest assured, it is a small book with a big impact. Last year, I wanted to start out my talk with this little book, but every time I started to write, I could feel God drawing me back and leading me to stick to prayer alone. Do you think it was coincidental for God wanting me to share a book on our hearts at such a time as this, a time when we were studying Mark, the book so geared to our heart and the condition of our hearts? My Heart, Christ's Home, tells the story of a young man who accepts Christ and asks him to come and make his home in the young man's heart. He mentions the first thing Jesus does is to turn on a light. Jesus then builds a fire in the cold hearth fireplace and the young man takes him on a tour of the house, his heart, the place where Jesus will make his new home. He takes Jesus into the library. They call it the study of the mind. This is an important room because in a sense, it is the control room of the house. Then he takes Jesus into the dining room, the room of appetites and desires. Not so sure Jesus likes what's on the menu. They move on to the living room. This room is a warm and intimate. Is warm and intimate. Uh, He promises. Oh, with the fireplace lit, Jesus is well pleased. He promises to meet the young man early every morning, so they may start the day together. The young Christian accepts moving on. They enter the garage, the workroom. Jesus notices many talents and skills on the workbench and says, this is fairly well furnished, but what are you personally building to better the kingdom of God? That's a good question for all of us. Lastly, they go through the bedroom and then pass the hall closet, which is locked. There is a lot of stuff. The man has hidden inside. Jesus stops and asks for the key. Jesus wants to help this young Christian sort through all the mess that he hides inside. You know, it's kind of crazy how messy and building busy our lives can get. We attend doctor and dentist appointments. We go and get our hair and nails done. We make luncheon or dinner dates with friends. We spend time cleaning and decorating our homes. We spend time watching TV and fiddling on our phones and computers. We spend time shopping for just the right outfit or a pair of shoes to wear as we take time to celebrate birthdays, weddings, and baby showers. We go to the gym or some form of exercise program. We work or volunteer, but honestly, how many of us being truthful put that much time time with Jesus? that divine appointment he desires daily. I am not talking about that shoot him up quick prayers on-the-run type of appointment. I am talking about all-day-long type of appointment or, excuse me, I am not talking about that shoot-em-up-quick prayers on-the-run type appointment or the i talk to him all day long type of appointment. Both of these are great, but... I am talking about a meeting him in the living room, being still kind of appointment. In Psalms, we are told to be still and know he is God. I looked up the word in the dictionary, and these are the definitions. To remain in place or at rest, motionless, stationary, without movement, free from sound or noise, as a place as a place or person, silent, hushed. Do any of these descriptive words resemble your time with Jesus? If I am being truly honest and transparent, mine don't always. While we think about it, let's return to the story and see how our newly Christian young man is faring in the living room. Let's see how his living room time compares to our living room time. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I could think, I could not think of anything I would rather do then a few minutes alone with Christ in close companionship. He promised I will be here every morning early. Meet me here, and we will start the day together. So morning after morning, I would go downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, open it, and we would read it together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truth recorded on its pages and make my heart sing as he shared all he had done for me and would be to me. Those times together were wonderful. Through the Bible and, and His Holy Spirit, He would talk to me. In prayer, I would respond. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times of personal conversation. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, this time began to be shortened. Why, why I'm not sure. Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special, regular time to be with Christ. This was not a de- deliberate decision, you understand. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days now and then. <clears throat> Matters of urgency depending, demanding my attention were continually crowding out these quiet times of conversation with Jesus. Often I would miss it two or days in a row or more one morning, I recall rushing down the steps in a hurry to be on my way to an important appointment. As I passed the living room, the door was open. Glancing, I saw I saw a fire in the fireplace and Jesus sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, it came to me. He is my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as my Savior and friend to live with me. Yet here I am, neglecting him. I stopped turned and hesitantly went in. With a downcast glance, I said, Master, I'm sorry, have you been here every morning? Yes, he said, I told you I would be here to meet with you. I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked him to forgive me and he did, as he always does when we acknowledge our failures and want to do the right thing. He said, The trouble is that you have been thinking of this quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me also. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed you. I value your fellowship. Just to have you look up into my face warms my heart. Don't neglect this hour, if only for my sake, whether or not you want to be with me. Remember, I want to be with you. I really love you. I must admit, at times I was writing, at times while I was writing this, I felt a little hypocritical. Like my friends like our friend, that nice young man in the story, sometimes I fail miserably to leave Jesus sitting alone by the fireplace, especially when I'm reminded that we didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. He loves you and he loves me. He wants us to have conversation with with him, each of us, daily. He wants our prayer time to be a conversation, not a monologue. I will end today with, it, with the ending of a devotional by Anne Graham Lotz. She is talking about a man that Jesus chose also. She says, there was a man sitting by a pool. For 38 years this man made excuses. I have no one to help me into the pool. The man was focused on what he lacked. While he was preoccupied with what he didn't have, he totally missed out what he did have. He had Jesus. What is our excuse? Is it lack of faith, lack of power, lack of knowledge, lack of discipline, lack of energy, lack of time? There is no excuse you or I can come up with that is valid because we have Jesus. What would it look like if we took him seriously? (laughs)